You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and uh, we're going outside of what we've been doing for a while, and we're going to have a BS session with my buddy Chad Riker from the Backcountry Rookies Podcast, and today we are going to be talking about uh, underrated, overrated. Let's see, it was uh, the, the Ohio Huntsman Podcast did a version of this, so Shout out to them because I'm ripping off this idea straight from them. They're on the network as well. Give them a listen. But uh, yeah, so what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about Western hunting gear and equipment. And we just kind of shoot from the hip. Uh, we talk about whether or not camo is underrated or overrated. We talk about optics. We talk about boots and socks. We talk about packs, sleeping bags, a variety of different Western backcountry themed uh, uh I guess uh, products and uh, I'm going to do the same thing I think next week with a an episode and we're going to do it uh, about whitetails as well so this is just one of those shoot from the hip type uh, podcasts and yeah we go uh, we go from there so I got to do some uh, commercials real quick and then I'm just going to say uh, screw it and get right into it uh, lone wolf portable tree stands dude you got to check them out if you are it is a commitment to get mobile, right? It is a big jump to learn how to get off field edges and go right into the timber, uh, be mobile, hunt a different location every single night. But as we all know, first time in, best time in, and Lone Wolf tree stands allow me to do that. Lone Wolf portable tree stands allow 
allow me to do that. So um, my favorite setup is the assault with two sticks, and, or excuse me, what am I thinking? The assault with four sticks. And that allows me to get in any tree. And the best part about a lone wolf is you don't need it to be in a, a it can be a crooked tree, it can be a tree with a lot of branches, but you can still get those sticks and that stand to level out and get you up quietly and get you in the right position. Not close to the right position, but get you in the right position. So if you want to find out more, visit the Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stand website. And at, dis, at, at uh, checkout, enter the discount code 9FC21. 9FC21. And that's going to save you $50 off of all purchases over $200. So that, that right there is a 25% discount. But I think with their products, you're looking at uh, between 25 to 18% discount depending on the purchase. And, and uh, that's, a, that's a big discount. Uh, average Conservationist. The Average Conservationist is an apparel line. They're a lifestyle brand. But uh, they have some kick-ass logos, uh, logo tees. They have some really cool hoodies, hats. I'm a huge uh, fan of their general hat. Uh, looks, I feel like a general when I wear it. Uh, what else? Uh, a ton, just tons of cool artwork on their, on their t-shirts and stuff. But here's the the kicker. The best part about this brand is that right off the top, they take 10% off and they give it to like 10% comes out of their their revenue and it goes to a conservation organization. So that's why I'm partnered with these guys. They're doing great things in the the space and they're leading by example, right? They are sending 10% of their income to a local or national level uh, conservation uh, efforts and that's a win, man. So any anything helps and these guys are doing big things and, and leading the way. Uh, the owner, Marcus Ewing, also has a podcast here on the Sportsman's Nation Network. It is the average conservationist podcast and they do that in connection with two percent for conservation which is the uh, sportsman's nation itself is a two percent for certified company so there's that and the last one is hunt stand now hunt stand is a, a, a product that i've been playing around with this year and it's awesome man it is one of those it's a digital mapping app you can download it for free, and then you can uh, get their Elite package, which is like 30 bucks a month or something like that. Or 30, no, it's not 30 bucks a month, but uh, 30 bucks overall. It is, it's an excellent option uh, as far as digital mapping is concerned. It allows you to select, I think there's like six or more uh, base maps that you can choose from, you know, and you can do everything. You can mark, like, track your hike in, you can mark where you find, um, you know, where you put your tree stands and trail cameras, you can uh, find square yardage, you can you know, measure yardage, you can find property owner information. So really, everything that you need from a digital mapping uh, aspect, HuntStand has got it. And it, I think it's uh, one of the number one most downloaded uh, digital mapping apps for the hunter. So uh, take that into consideration as well. You can find all, more information about that product on huntstand.com. Please go out and support those companies that support this podcast because uh, then it's like it's that cycle, right? Uh, <laughs> they pay me, I promote their products, and I give you guys a, a ton of free content. So uh, please go out and support those uh, brands. 
lastly, we have uh, the, the episode. We're just going to go right into it. Hopefully, you guys have a good day, and uh, I guess we'll catch you on the backside. All right, on the phone with me right now, Mr. Chad Riker of the Backcountry Rookies Podcast. Chad, how are we doing? Hi, I'm doing great, Dan. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this literally all came together, what, five minutes ago, where I'm like, hey, man, I had a guy bail on me. Uh, can you hop in? And you're like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, I don't even sure. <laughs> let's do it. I don't even think you kind of know what the premise <laughs> of this podcast is today. So I'm going to lay it out here right now. And we're, okay. we're going to keep it in the realm of Western hunting. So whether that's uh, uh, mule deer, elk, antelope, uh, backcountry hunting, maybe hunts from the truck, whatever. Uh, we both have enough experience, I feel, to talk on some of these matters. And uh, the, the, whole, the whole premise here is we're going to talk about a specific product, and then we're going to talk, or a product category, and then we're going to say, is it overrated, is it underrated, or is it accurately, accurately rated? And uh, I, I'm just excited to see where this goes, because this is a last-minute thing. I had a guy bail on me, so here we are. Here we are. Let's see where it goes. That's the fun part about podcasts. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Who needs a script? <laughs> I've never, I've never used one and that's probably yeah. uh, hurt me in the past, but, uh, today nah. there's a podcast are too fluid. You just got to let them go where they go. And that's what this is going to, you know, so let's open the dam and, uh, let's, uh, before we get into specific products, give me a, a very quick rundown of how you choose the products that you actually buy. Yeah. So there, I'll tell you very quickly. Um, I try to read a lot of reviews. I have a, another friend of mine that runs a, a website and a gear review site that's called backwoods pursuit. And that guy tests and reviews gear, all tons and tons of gear. Like he just got done with a spotting scope review that they had like 30 spotting scopes lined up and did an extensive review on those. Um, I try to look for unbiased reviews where you can go and find good quality information, whether it be YouTube, written articles, go hunt Eastman's, that kind of stuff. Western Hunter. Um, I, I look for those and I like to read and compare multiple and not take one person's um, recommendation because oftentimes they're very biased or sponsor driven, you know, partner driven yeah. paid advertisements. So you got to be kind of careful and then use, just get a piece of gear out. And if it doesn't work, get rid of it and get something new and try it out and, and, you know, find what works. Right. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, somewhat the same way. Um, uh, most of in a, in a way it's a review, I get a lot of my information from people who have already used the products, right? So like buddies, right? Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't do a lot of online research. If, I, if I'm looking for a particular product in a particular category, I'll talk to one of my buddies or I'll talk to someone uh, who has a lot of experience in that realm. Uh, I do look at reviews a little bit and then obviously budget is a big cost of the actual product is uh, is a big determining factor as well. So on the long story short side of it, that's how I base my decisions on. Now, throughout the Western hunts, I've been a, you know, I've, I've been through my Western hunts. You've been through your Western hunts, both elk and uh, 
a mule deer. So that's what I I have experience in. I don't, I've had, I've been on a couple, uh, mule deer hunts where I also had an antelope tag. So I, I I don't have a ton of experience with antelope, but, uh, when it comes to gear for, let's just say backcountry hunts or mule deer or elk, um, I don't know. I've been through enough of them to know what I like and know what I, I dislike. And, and, uh, yeah. so, and you know, I think most people start out with mule deer or elk and they develop their gear or their kit or whatever you want to call it. And then usually that'll progress into something a little bit, maybe it's pronghorn or something, you know, yeah. but I think when guys are going West, they're going to start with elk or deer. One yeah. of the two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I'm just going to kick it off right out of the gate with a big category. And I know that hunting gear, let's just say clothing and apparel and camo are they're They're the same, but they're almost two different things. So I'm going to just uh, kick this off to you, Chad, with camouflage underrated, overrated, accurately rated. Overrated. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Explain. Okay. So I think um, you can go back to the old, my grandpa killed elk wearing blue jeans and flannel shirt. Right. Right. Um, And I, I 100%, can you still do that today? Absolutely. You can. I think what's going on now though, is a lot of these camouflage companies are producing their great products, but they're charging more and they're, they're just, increasing their marketing on those products when if you bought a solid color of a pant or a shirt or a base layer or a puffy jacket and it's not a hunting brand but it's a solid color you're going to get it for half of the cost of what the camouflage is yeah and i say that that's cost related do you need it in the field do you need to be camouflaged for elk no not really for deer Eh, maybe turkeys. Yeah. It's probably going to be something you want to use. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of it depends on the game that you're hunting as well. When you say, is it rate, overrated, underrated, but ultimately I think it's overrated. Yeah. I think you can get it done wearing solid colors, maybe vary your colors a little bit, but that I think you can get it done. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you and say that camouflage is overrated. And I think a lot of companies these days, um, uh, it's almost like you're part of a, a club, right? It's more of a, a marketing tool. To a say, club hey, or a cult? Yeah, a cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. There you go. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I have to wear, you know, if I want to be part of this club, I have to wear this camo. Uh, and this uh-huh. past year, uh, let's see, it was on my elk hunts, I used to be decked out, right? I was decked out my, even in the tree stand with whitetails, I was decked out, uh, in camo. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I had the same amount, amount of encounters, the same experiences wearing solid colors than I did with, um, you know, having a a particular camel pattern on me. Um, and I think it all comes down to, you know, hunting strategy at that point, right? If, if you are downwind of the animal, if you are slow, 
and and don't you know don't make any erratic movements and if you don't skyline yourself let's uh, and that's just uh, a mule deer you know like if you uh, i don't care what you're wearing if you're skylining yourself and you're showing movement they're out they're leaving right right, right. um and the wind is huge yeah and you, wind is you huge. said it earlier wind is huge you got to be in the right spot yeah so. absolutely and it's just one of those things where i i almost feel like i am and, and the more you learn about whitetail or whitetails and, and, and how mule deer and elk see, the more I just feel like, man, camo just it, it's if you're paying extra for a particular brand or a specific uh, pattern, it's just not uh, I don't know. I just feel like it, it's overrated in that aspect. It's overrated in the actual functionality of it. And uh, if a. Uh, if a savvy shopper does their research, talks to the right people, uh, they can go online and find products that do the exact same thing in a solid color than if it has a, you know, a big brand name behind it. Right. Yep. I, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we both agree that camo is underrated or excuse me, overrated. Um, the next one I think we're probably going to agree on as, as well, but boots. Now I want to ask you how, how we should do this. Should we do it boots and socks as two individual categories or should we put boots and socks together? Um, I, well, I, I think they're both underrated, so we yeah. could probably put them together. Yeah, and I'm going to say they're underrated as well. So yeah. let's explain yourself. Even if you separated them, I still think they're underrated. Right. So, you know, and put them together, and they're probably even more underrated. Yeah. And I say that because I have boot, I've got a, a few different pairs of boots, um, and I have several different kinds of socks, and not every sock matches up with every boot, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Just the way the seam maybe comes across the toe in one pair of boots, it'll give me a blister on, on a toe, but in another pair of boots, it fits perfectly and it, it's great. Yeah. Um, I think boots are often underrated. I mean, you got to think if you're really hiking and you're really hunting out West and you're side hilling and you're climbing and you're on rocks and then you're on soft dirt and then mud and rain, for 10 hours a day, sometimes, sometimes more than that, if it's depending on the season. Yeah. And that is your tires on your car. You know, if you got to have like, to me, boots are super important. And I've gone through several brands, several types, trying to find the one pair of boot that is the one that makes me feel competent and comfortable. So, yeah, I, I think they're highly underrated. It drives me nuts when I see people ask the question, and you see it 10 times a day on Facebook or whatever. Hey, what pair of boots should I buy? And there is no answer to that. You have to go try them, yeah. try them on, wear them, find the one that fits. Cause they, every foot is different and every boot is different. Literally the same model of boot from the same brand might be different because of the way it was hand sewn. Yeah. So, you know, it could fit different, even the same size brand model. Yeah. And I know there's certain hunts out there where, uh, for example, like uh, uh, glassing. If you're gonna, if you're hunt, you're going to do a lot of glassing. Uh, mm -hmm. You may want an insulated boot, 
right? But for me, I was out in South Dakota this year, and the high on most days was 14 or like 12 or 14 degrees, no lie. It was Mm -hmm. extremely Mm -hmm. cold. So I'd get out there, uh, I'd go glass, um, but my feet were close to the ground, not like in a whitetail tree stand where you have all this air circulating around it. Um, You're still moving Mm -hmm. a little bit. uh, And what I found was that, a great, a good boot is, is, is very important, right? I'm also saying mm-hmm. that a, a good boot is underrated, but I think if we're going to, if we're going to put it into an equation, the sock is almost it. I think it's weighted heavier because for me, I can get a, I can use my, uh, I use uh, crispies and I can use a crispy, my crispies in in multiple environments in multiple temperatures but i can't use the same sock in multiple environments in multiple temperatures because mm-hmm. if i go too light my toes get cold and if i go too mm-hmm. heavy in certain scenarios uh my my feet get hot and then i get uncomfortable so uh, and that's that shifts both ways for temperature so i think the the sock is needs to be more customizable to the environment but a boot you can hunt multiple environments in if that makes sense it makes total sense and and i agree with you on that too i've got in early september elk hunting i have some they're darn tough socks and oh yeah they're very they're super thin and they're merino wool they're actually made for um, snowboarders and skiers to wear underneath their boots and, but they, for me, they work great with the boots that I have. I wear Salewa boots and they work awesome with, with those boots, but I have just enough room in those boots where when it becomes like late October and it's starting to get colder, I can put a thicker sock on and it's still, you know, it does the job that it's supposed to do. Yeah. So, and, I'll, yep. I think both are underrated. Yeah. yeah. I won't even put anything but Merino on my feet anymore. It's just yeah, definitely no cotton. Whatever yeah. you do, just no cotton. No cotton on your, on your feet. Yeah. yeah, unless you're going. You know that that's funny because that's a thing that I hear all the time. Cotton kills and all this other crazy stuff. It, okay, I get that. I get that marketing scheme too. But um, if you're just going out for an afternoon, yeah, cotton is right. not going to kill you. You yeah. know, a cotton t-shirt isn't going to kill you. A cotton whatever. If you're planning on seven days, and and some of those days might be in a tent. And, you know, your feet are going to be in bad shape, then definitely you want to go with something different. But yeah, uh, if it's just a day, then, yeah, you can get away with some cotton. Yeah. So and I was I was approaching yeah. it probably just like you were from the multiple days out, multiple days, mm-hmm. like whether it's, a, you know, a, a two night camp or a hunting out of like if you're hunting out of your truck, it might be a little bit different. It depends on the the time you're going to be in the field. A pair of, I guess, a, a good pair of cotton socks would probably last you, you know, for like a four hour hunt from the truck evening hunt or something like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't think it would be oh, yeah. too, you know, too bad. But I do love yeah. my merino. I do too. I'm I'm with you 100. percent Merino underwear, merino socks. That's and there's no doubt that that's what I'm wearing. Right. Okay. Yeah. So. I don't even know how to uh, do this next qu- question. Uh, uh, here, we'll go back to here. I'm going to say, let's go spotting scopes. And I, I know mm-hmm. this opens up a lot for interpretation, but I'm going to throw, uh-huh. I want to talk about optics in, in two categories, spotting scopes and binoculars. So okay. um, let's, let's start with spotting scopes first. So I think 
That one, and I'm going to split that one up too because I I have to say it depends on the hunt. Yeah. If you're going elk hunting, don't even think about, don't even put it in your truck to take it out west. Yeah. You just don't need it. Elk are massive, and a good pair of ten by forty two binoculars is all you're going to need. Not even I care for elk. I have a pair of eight by forty twos that I carry. They're lightweight and they're easy to carry. Um, if you're going mule deer hunting, or I like to coos deer hunt in Arizona that's when that spotting scope becomes almost a necessity to have in your pack. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think you're right. And a lot of it depends on the style hunt. Like for me in South Dakota, I liked being able to use a spotting scope to pick apart the, the landscape. Now there's guys out there who would say that a spotting scope is probably underrated because um, they're going after specific game, right? They're going after mm-hmm. big bucks. They want to be able to see the antlers, judge the antlers, say, judge the age class. I'm not there yet for, let's just say, a mule deer hunt. So I all I yep. want to do is see one, go make a stock on it. Like, I, I ha- I'm not in that pickiness stage yet. So I think for me, where I'm at right now, uh, if you are looking for particular animals, yes, a spotting scope is very important. But if you are not and you're kind of just a general hunter with a general goals, whether that's a buck or filling the freezer, I don't think a spotting scope is near as important. So I'm going to say um, – a spotting scope is probably just accurately rated, right? It's a good thing to have. It's an extra thing to have, but that carries over into my next thing where I would say a good pair of binoculars are definitely uh, underrated. Yes, I agree with you. And I, I will agree with you on the spotting scopes too. I would say accurately yeah. rated. So on that, I have a couple in my closet and they're there if I need them and they're there for particular hunts, but the binoculars, 100% underrated. Yeah. I never go any, I have binoculars all over the place. I've got a pair in my truck. I have a pair in my office at home. I even, so I can see the mountains from my office at work. And I keep a set of binoculars in my office at work just for goof, just for playing around. Yeah. Um, and then of course I always have a set on my chest. So I, I have binos everywhere. Yeah. So when it comes to bi- like binoculars, um, I've been on a couple Colorado elk hunts where it's just it's literally pointless to almost even have binoculars up there. I mean, they're good to have just in case, but the environment that we were in was just dark timber, lots of deadfall. You're not seeing anything, right? Even if you even if you hear mm-hmm. something at fifty, you know, fifty to sixty yards, you may not even ever see it. So I would say in a scenario like that, um, their binoculars are accurately rated. Uh, but mm-hmm. when it comes to a Western or uh, like a mule deer hunt, wide open country, uh, any type of uh, hunt where you have the ability to glass. And if you don't have the, if you don't have the, um, the capacity to carry a spotting scope or the, um, or a, uh, a, good pair of binoculars man uh, you, once you once you have a good pair of binoculars and you use them uh in in a scenario like that you don't ever want to go back to take a step back in your optics because you right. are able to really like it's not as detailed as a spotting scope but you still have the ability to pick apart the land looking for you know bedded animals in the shade or in the coolies or whatever it is that you're looking for 
Mm-hmm. Yep, for uh, for sure. The if you so you, I I hear this question. It's been asked to me, and it gets asked all over the place. I need a pair of binos and I need a spotting scope. Um, what do you recommend? And I always say, don't buy the spotting scope. If you don't have either, combine all of your money, get a good tripod and a good pair of binoculars, and you're gonna it's gonna be more fruitful than than having both. Yeah, a cheaper spotting scope, cheaper binos, and a cheap tripod. I, I would save my money and get the good tripod and a good pair of binos. Yeah. And I think that even for that open country stuff, even if you're hunting out in Arizona, a good pair of binoculars and a tripod is going to get you a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I think like if you, if you were thinking about buying both and you're saying, well, I need both. I don't think you need both. I would do what Mm -hmm. you said you know, set out, maybe save for an, another year or two, get this, the spotting scope later, but just get a bigger ma- uh, magnification on your binos. Like just get a, mm-hmm. a bigger, you know, pull that money together. You don't need to just get a bigger uh, a mag on your, on your binos. Yeah. And, and get a to, pair of 12s and yeah. or 10s. Yeah. You know, I used to, um, the guy, this Scott Hamlin, he runs a bow shop in San Antonio, Texas. They go out and, and elk hunt every year, and that guy would never even carry binos on an elk hunt. All he ever had was a rangefinder clipped to his belt because, just like you said, sometimes you get into timber, you're not looking at vast land. You're not looking far. You're in the middle of timber, and all you really need to do is see to, like where like shooting lanes and to have ranges on those shooting lanes. And a, a rangefinder is seven power. So if you really needed to look a few hundred yards, you can do it with the rangefinder and see a bull. Yeah, you know, uh, I thought that was an interesting way to do it. it. Saves the weight; he doesn't carry the weight on his chest. He doesn't have all of that extra stuff with binos. Just keeps that little rangefinder clipped to his belt. Yeah. All right. So yeah. let's talk about a, another optics, and I'm just going to let you talk about this because I I have no experience in rifle scopes, whether it's uh, mm-hmm. you know for a shotgun or a muzzle loader or a uh, a rifle. I have no experience. So let's just say um, a rifle scope. Uh huh. You're going to rifle scope is one of those things. You want to get the best that you can afford. You know, um, if you're looking at buying a really high end rifle, say you're going to buy a new proof research rifle and then you don't have any money left over because you you spent your whole whatever surplus on the rifle. And then you're like, well, I'm going to go buy this hundred and fifty dollar scope. You're you're not doing that rifle any justice and because you're really lacking in the quality that you're going to get. You're better off instead of buying a. $5,000 rifle, you're better off to buy a $1,000 rifle and a couple of thousand dollars scope. And people really underrate the rifle scope a lot because they are just the same as binoculars in a, in a low light scenario, which happens early morning. Maybe you see that buck of your dreams and it's just before, you know, it's coming up just after shooting light. It's still really dark. A good rifle scope is going to let in more light. It's going to be brighter. It's going to be more clear. And same thing goes for the end of the day, too, when it's getting into dusk. And the better the scope, the better the quality, the more opportunity you're going to have. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think the old saying is, I think it's 
spend as much on a scope as you did on the rifle just for comparison, or maybe it's twice as much on the scope as you do the rifle. Yeah. That only goes so far, you know, if you've right. spent five grand on a rifle, you're <laughs> probably not going to spend 10,000 10, on a scope. But, um, it is, it really does play in there. You do need yeah. to get good quality optics and there's more that goes along with it too. And that's the tracking and like the adjustability of the turrets and how accurate those adjustments are. So the better the quality of the scope, the better the tolerances, tighter the tolerances are going to be when it comes to all of those real finite little adjustments. Yeah. So yeah. I think they're underrated to a point. If you're looking at a shotgun and you're going to put a scope on something that you're only going to shoot 50 yards at turkeys or less, you probably don't even need the scope. I have a red dot on my turkey gun. Yeah. And it works perfect. It's great for that. Yeah. So it's kind of an application type of thing. Okay. All right, let's jump yeah. into a, a completely different kind of category here. And let's say, let me look, I, I have a, in my office, I have just a pile of shit that is all hunting uh -huh. gear and equipment that's not put away. And let's go with, <laughs> let's go with sleeping bags. Uh, um, underrated. Yeah. Yeah. I think a hundred percent it's, they, there's some research that needs to be done on sleeping bags too, you know, yeah. you, just to go out and buy one. If you're going to hunt in Washington state or Oregon to go buy something that's down filled and super lightweight, it's probably a mistake because when that down gets wet, you don't have a sleeping bag anymore. You yeah. have a big old water logged sleeping bag. That's what you get. You can't really sleep in it. So you might get something that's synthetic and treated and, you know, it's water resistant, it's like super water resistant. But if you're down here in New Mexico where I'm at, I haven't seen, I, I haven't seen rain in months, you know, I don't worry about my sleeping bag getting wet so I can use down and it's very light and super warm. Yeah. So I've but had, it's one of those things I, I say it's underrated because I don't want to be caught. I don't want a 30 degree sleeping bag and then get caught in one of those weird storms where it drops down to zero degrees and I'm not prepared for that temperature. Yeah. Yeah. The way I, I look at it is you don't know how important a sleeping bag is on a backcountry hunt until you need one. And until you know how important it is. Exactly. Right? So, um, yeah. I've been to on a couple hunts where the overnight I got, uh, I think mine right now is a 20. It goes down to 20 and, mm -hmm. um, or 25 or something like that. It's right in that range. But, um, for the most part, I would, I would go in there. I would wear maybe just my base layers and, uh, and I'd be very comfortable in, in that, uh, in that sleeping bag. But then, uh, I went on a, a, a couple South Dakota hunts and some of the nights it got down into the high teens, low twenties. And, it really makes for an uncomfortable night, which if you have these uncomfortable nights, multiple nights in a row, uh, when you're not getting the sleep that you need and you're just cold and you're shivering and you've got to adjust and you got to warm yourself up a little bit and then you fall back asleep and then you wake up and you're cold and you do that for multiple nights in a row, it really drains your energy level. Uh, throughout mm -hmm. uh, a three or four day period and it can suck and it can snowball and add up and then it gets to the point where you're just like oh man i i don't want to have to hike over that next ridge 
but yeah, or uh, not even hunt altogether. Yeah, I'm going I, home. I'm cold. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So I've never. I've only had one real experience with a wet sleeping bag. I had a hole in my tent. I was able to um, get it out <laughs> and dry it out. But uh, I'm gonna say, um, you know, of all the things that are non-hunt related, right? And what I mean by that is the the bow the arrows you know the um i'm gonna throw boots in you know boots and clothing into the hunt side of things mm-hmm. everything on side of the non hunting side of a backcountry hunt is i would put sleeping bag as one of the most important um uh, products you could buy and if i'm gonna spend my money on something because i'm getting i'm about ready to if i'm gonna yeah. uh spend my money on extra money somewhere or put a lot of money into it i feel like a zero degree bag is where i'm going to be heading and it just has all my bases covered if i get too hot i just unzip it a little bit uh if i get too you know if i get too cold i can really bundle up tight in a zero degree bag and uh just kind of i don't know shoot from the hip on on making myself comfortable and so i definitely think a sleeping bag is uh very underrated underrated yeah. and almost essential yeah. right I, I mean it's essential gear yeah. and i would go as far as to say to add on to that and say your whole sleep system is probably underrated yeah. your tent your if, especially if you're doing the backcountry sleeping under the stars under the trees yeah you know out on the mountain if you're doing that that, that sleep system becomes just it's almost one of the top things that you have to have if you're yeah. sleeping next to your truck yeah whatever you know you can figure that out you know if it rains you crawl under the truck or you know there's other yeah. things you can do but when you're in the elements that's it that's yeah. all you got how let me just ask you this is gonna get to the question how old are you chad 44 years old 44 okay so you're 44 yeah. I, i'm 40 i'll tell you this that the sleep system as far as the pad is concerned when i was young right i probably could have just mm-hmm. slept on the bare ground and been fine right oh but, yeah. yeah yeah definitely but when i'm older i got like i'm just broken <laughs> basically from from head oh, to yeah. toe hips start hurt yep. knees start hurt everything hurts when you don't get a good night's sleep exactly yeah. and so if you and that's when i upgraded from a foam right a rolling foam it wasn't very thick uh pad and i so i went and i invested a little money into a an air pad now and uh i sleep i I sleep a lot better on it i I have less problems with my hips and back in in the mornings from from Mm -hmm. that and i don't know it's uh it's uh this the the pad i think is i think it's accurately rated for a pad but Mm -hmm. i will say that i feel the more you spend the better uh the better experience you'll have yeah Yes, absolutely. And um, with sleeping pads, there's a couple things you got to look for. And this goes with what you said about spending money. You really want to look for a good R value. And R value is the, call it the warmth, right? I'm not going to go technical because I just don't know the technical definition of R value. But it's it's the the ability for that thing to resist the heat or the, the cold that's coming off of the ground. So if you're going out in September into Southern Colorado and it's going to be 70 during the day and 50 at night, you don't really need a, a super high quality pad except for something that's comfortable. If you're going in Colorado in October and it's going to be 20 degrees at nighttime, 
you need a good R value pad because otherwise you'll freeze. You just get so cold and a pad that has a higher R value resists that cold and it keeps you warmer. And it also, so if you have a 30 degree sleeping bag and a zero R value, you're not getting anywhere with that 30 degree sleeping bag. You're still yeah. going to freeze. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to the pack, the pack. Yep. Um, okay. So go ahead and kick it off. Uh, I think packs are very important. I think they're cultish also, like we talked about with the camo. So a lot of guys want the packs are they're They're almost like boots where they fit. Body frames are not the same. Nobody has the same body frame and the packs are set up different too. So don't just go buy a pack. I think they're, they're underrated, but um, I'm trying to say, try some on, right? Do, do the research and try them on because some of them don't fit right. I've tried several different brands and most of them work for me and I can fit them up and I can make them work. There's a couple of the very top tier name brands that I tried on. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to have that cool pack and they fit me terrible. And yeah. I was so 30 pounds in those packs and I couldn't hardly breathe. They were just not, I tried fitting them in every configuration I possibly could. Um, and they, I just, they were super uncomfortable for me. So they're underrated because of what they have to do when they have to carry a hundred pound load and, you know, all of your gear for four or five days or whatever it is. But I, I think it's important to say you really need to make sure that you get the pack that's right for you and not the one that's right for Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Agree. A hundred percent. Um, man, I tell you what, I have had a, uh, I've had a shitty pack on and I've carried over a hundred pounds in that shitty pack, uh, for three, <laughs> for 3.5 miles. So it was two years ago, we, mm -hmm. we packed out a, um, a mule deer and, you know, with all the gear and equipment and the meat, uh, we want, we only wanted to make it one trip. It was, it was brutal. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, but I walked away from it saying, okay, it wasn't as bad. Could it, could it have been better in a more expensive pack? Uh, yes. It could have been, but I will say that as far as the experience, yeah, it, it, you know, like it slid on me a little bit and I had to keep adjusting and tightening and adjusting and tightening and, and the balance, you know, I, ha I had trekking poles and, um, you know, so that was able to, to help me out, you know, as far as the balance and stuff was concerned, but I'm going to say that a pack, man, I, I'm, I, I definitely don't think they're, they're underrated, right? I don't think they're underrated uh -huh. and I think, you know, like, don't get me wrong. You shouldn't go to Walmart and buy a backpack for a backcountry, a five day backcountry hunt, right? They don't have what yeah. you need there, but I feel like you can get away with a, t like a tier, a tier or two down from the big dogs, uh, in the, mm -hmm. in the industry. And, uh, and, I think that's true, especially if you're going one time out of every four or five years. Right. If you're if you're going out for some kind of hunt. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people will do that. They'll go, they'll plan this this big trip and this big hunt, and it's once. It's their once in a lifetime or whatever, and and they 
they go all out and you don't really need to do that. Yeah. You can get away. Like you said, drop it down a tier or two and it might suck. It might suck for 3.5 miles, but if you're only going to do it once in your life, yeah. guess Absolutely. what? It's going to suck. Even with a top tier pack, it's going to suck really bad. Yeah. It still hurts and it's still heavy. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to put a pack on and, and i almost like everything i want to also say will contradict myself but i'm gonna <laughs> I, i'm gonna put a pack right at the on the line between overrated and accurately rated like if the wind blows one way or the other it could fall to either side so that that's where i'm gonna put it yeah i would change my answer too and i think i would say it's at least accurately rated yeah because i think most people will tell you when you talk to any, almost anyone in the Western hunting industry, a pack is one of those things that you just needed at least a decent one. Yeah. So I would say it's accurately rated. And yeah. The, I'm kind of, I'm with you on that one. And the good thing about some of these products that we're talking about specifically, um, packs, right? They have a, if you take care of them, they have a very long lifespan, right? You should be able to get away. If you buy uh, one pack and I'm just going to throw a number of $300 out, $400 out, that's going to get you a good pack. And that pack is going to last you a very long time if you treat it right. So, um, you know, boots, I feel like are are wear a little bit harder, you know, and I think a boot, like I'm, I'm in, I'm definitely in the need for last year. I cleaned them up real good. I sprayed uh, water repellent on them, you know, gave them the a makeover basically and they did really well but i'm starting to get some cracks uh, in the seal between but that, that's my fourth or fifth year wearing these boots and so i got away like i got away with a lot on those boots and i wear them whitetail hunting too so um you're a bow hunter right you you bow hunt too yep yep mm-hmm. so yep. i want to i want to go to mechanical I want to go to mechanical broadheads. Okay. What do you have to say about mechanical broadheads? Um, I, I think that's one of those depends on the game too. Like hunting, hunting coos deer. I don't care. I'll shoot mechanical broadhead any day. Um, mule deer, same thing. Elk. I would probably go with a fixed blade broadhead on elk. And yeah. people will argue with me because I know guys that hunt elk with mechanical broadheads. But I think that they would probably argue with me until they hit a shoulder blade or something. Yeah. And then at that point, it might, you know, change. Um, I think for elk, I think they're probably they're, they're I think they're overrated for just about any other game out there, though. I think they're average rated. Yeah. So here's what I'm, I'll say about that. I know that there's fixed blade broadheads and I've killed deer with fixed blade broadheads. So I'm going to say, knowing that there's a backup of, and a different option to choose from, and, I, and when I whitetail hunt, I, I use, sometimes I use fixed blades, sometimes I use mechanicals, but I'm, I will say this, I feel that mechanical broadheads are overrated. And I will say this mm-hmm. because I feel that um, uh, they're, because it's a mo- it has moving parts on it, it may not happen all the time. But there are times when moving parts fail and there's no moving parts on a fixed blade broadhead. So you just take out that you take out that ability to to have failure if you're using it's all on shot placement at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
in the same breath or out of the other corner of my mouth, I'm saying, uh, but I, I do love what a mechanical broadhead does as far as damage on an animal when it hits the right spot and performs like it's supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they fly better, you know, there's less wind resistance. There, there's some pros and cons to them. Yeah. Um, I think if, if I would have been shooting a mechanical broadhead at my deer that I shot last year in Arizona, I probably wouldn't have lost that deer. I think I had a lot of wind drift on the arrow. Um, whatever I still made a bad shot, so it doesn't really matter. But, uh, um, I, th- I think it can go either way. And that's why I said they're, they're average. I wouldn't use one on an elk though. Yeah. So uh, here, here's what I'll, I'll follow up by saying this. I, I feel they're overrated and that if mm-hmm. there were, if all of a sudden a bean came down, some, some alien came down uh, from the, uh, uh, sky and he took all of the mechanical broadheads off the planet, I wouldn't worry one bit. I would just, Shoot. Yeah, I'm I, with you there. I would yeah, just I'm shoot fixed way. blades. Yeah. So I also think if we're talking broadheads, man, I'll pro- I might get crucified for this one, but whatever. I think a lot of these a hundred dollar for three broadheads, I think those are overrated too. Yeah. These guys that are promoting these, you know, these broadheads that are um, easy to sharpen and they're super sharp and they're just, you know, I I just think those are overrated. Like I can shoot. I shot a javelina last year three times with the same broadhead, and every time was just blowing right through that thing. And it was a, you know, it was a, a three pack that cost me forty bucks. Yeah, um, and it just kept on doing its job. It was it was just fine. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what year it was. It was like early the early two thousand tens, and I, I shot three does that year. No. Yeah, I shot three does that year, and in that, and I did it all with the same arrow and broadhead. Yeah, yeah. And all of them were at you know that was from a a whitetail in a tree stand, which I probably wouldn't do that. I wouldn't shoot uh, another arrow at a, a mule deer at sixty yards or fifty yards, right, or an elk at that distance. Mm-hmm. But at twenty yards, this like the ability to fail at that short distance there was no reason for me not to and i killed all three of them and all three of them went in my freezer and all three of them uh went into my stomach so uh, yeah went into my belly yeah Yeah. yep so uh here's here's something i don't know uh anything about and if you're gonna compare okay what's uh what kind of gun do you shoot rifle do you shoot oh wow take your pick i got a whole uh, what's your favorite full of them what's your favorite rifle to go elk hunting with um, I've only rifled elk head on once and I carried a 300 wind mag. Okay. 300 wind um, mag. Now I have a seven millimeter Remington Magnum and it'll be used for antelope this year. Okay. So what yeah. about the ammo in that? Like mm-hmm. what is, is the, the specific style or specific brands of ammo? Uh, do they perform different? Um, so basically what I'm getting at is obviously if you have a rifle, that rifle takes a certain cartridge, but, um, if brand X makes that cartridge or brand Y makes that cartridge or brand Z makes that cartridge, um, it's all the same cartridge just made by somebody else. Is that ammo is ammo underrated or overrated? Um, I think it's. That's a tough one. I might even just say accurately rated. 
because ammo is one of those things where if I have two, let's say I've got two rifles, exactly the same model, everything about them is identical there. Even the serial numbers are off by one, right? They were made the same day, same time, same person. Those two rifles can shoot bullets complete the same bullet. I could buy a box of ammo from Cabela's or sports, wherever you get ammo. And I could shoot five rounds of the same ammo through those two exact same rifles. One rifle might put a half inch group at a hundred yards and the other one does a two inch group at a hundred yards. So with, when it comes to ammo, I'm going to say you can't just buy a rifle and buy some ammo and go out and hunt with it. You need to put a little time in behind that rifle to make sure it's zeroed and it's shooting you know, it's shooting accurately and zeroed properly and all of that. You know, with all of that being said, if you were just going to shoot an animal at a hundred yards, yeah, it probably, it doesn't matter one bit what you shoot. It's all going to be good enough at a hundred. But I, I think a lot of people nowadays are capable of shooting three, four and 500 yards. Rifles are certainly capable of that. And at that point, you really do need to dial that rifle in with the, I won't say the right bullet, but I'll say the right bullet for that rifle. So if you have a Nosler AccuBond and a Hornady ELDX and a Sierra Game King, right? Three different, totally three different brand type of bullets. And the AccuBond shoots the best, shoot the AccuBond. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Shoot the one that's going to, it's just like arrows on a, on a bow. You're not just going to go buy some arrows off the shelf that are pre-cut and pre-fletched. And those are the ones you're going to hunt with. They may not shoot very good in your bow, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know why this popped up, but this isn't really a, a, a overrated, underrated. This is more of a preference question. Do you carry uh, in your pack while you're out hiking around, do you have a Nalgene bottle or like a thermos that you carry your water in, or do you use a bladder? I use both. Okay. Um, I carry both. I use a bladder mostly for hydration purposes, but my bladder, the way I have it hooked up is I have an inline filter on the hose so that I can put clean water or dirty water, whatever kind of water into that bladder. And I can suck that water through the hose yeah. and then it's clean, right? Cause it's filtered along the way. And then I carry a Nalgene bottle or sometimes I'll just throw a bottle of whatever water store bought gas station, you know, smart water or Ozark or whatever it is in my pack and i use that for coffee and cooking i don't really use it for hydration but i always keep something extra that i can make coffee and and cook a meal with or something so i use both okay all right now we're going to wind this down and this is (laughs) we talk a lot about gear uh, and the importance of it but I i feel like this is just as important um the food that you bring into the field with you uh, let's, and we, we can say whether it's from the truck or, and I'll let you go down both scenarios from the truck or whether you have to uh, pack it in on a backcountry hunt food that you bring with you. If I'm hunting from the truck, I've got a two burner Coleman stove and a, and a table and like, I'll make bacon. I, I do. If I'm truck camping and, and living out of my truck, I'm living large. I'm cooking hamburgers at night and all of that kind of stuff. Um, if I'm backpacking, I carry, there's, I'll even go brand specific on this because it's literally all I buy anymore. And it's a brand called Pinnacle Foods. 
they make just their meals are phenomenal and they taste good. They don't bother my stomach. So some of those other, some of the other brands that are out there kind of give me a, um, some issues with my stomach. And, um, I just find that those backcountry meal rehydratable meals are, that's what I carry if I'm going to go in yeah. for the two or three days is those lightweight dehydrated meals. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but uh, you got to try them out. You got to, I think they're, I think they're a good meal, I think is underrated. Yeah. Um, most of the meals are overrated if that makes any sense. But when you find the one that works for you and it, your stomach digests it well, and you don't have any problems with it, it's, it's pretty good. And I would say to test them out yeah. before you just go running up the side of the mountain with a mountain house chili Mac. I promise you, you're going to have some issues <laughs> up the, the, heading up the mountain. At least I do. I don't do chili Mac on anything, Yeah, but, uh, yeah. So try them out ahead of time. Okay. I just got a box in the mail the other day that had 10 meals in it from that pinnacle company. And they're all awesome. Those won't be the meals I hunt with. Those will be meals that I take when I'm hiking and training and, you know, just getting ready for the season. I'll eat those things just to train with. Yeah. What's the, so what's that brand right name? Season, Pinnacle so. Foods? Pinnacle Foods Company. Yeah. So the guy that runs it is actually a chef and he creates these meals that are just, they're awesome. He's got a jalapeno cheddar biscuit and gravy meal that's for i eat it for breakfast usually or lunch or dinner it doesn't matter i'll eat it it's and they're super high in calories too which is really helpful if you're really burning up you know you're doing seven or eight miles a day they're nice i just pulled up their website and that is the first meal that they have the jalapeno cheddar biscuits and herb sausage gravy (laughs) yeah that one is awesome man i'm telling you i'll have to check and then the thai chicken the thai thai curry one is really really good too and i don't really like curry but that one's really good yeah so give me some more reasons like why it's underrated why a good meal is underrated uh, well, like I was saying, you got, you kind of got to watch your stomach and then some of them will just almost be empty calories when it comes to when you've been going hard all day and you try to eat a meal that's like 200 calories, it's not really going to do anything for you. Yeah. You have to supplement it even more. So you got this meal that you're rehydrating, you're trying to eat that thing and then you get done and you're still hungry. So then you're eating a candy bar on top of that and some gels or some peanut butter. So, you know, there's, you're just eating, you're consuming a whole bunch of stuff to try to get the same content, calorie content, carbs, and all of that stuff that you would get from a good quality meal. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're going to get more energy. Basically you're going to get more energy out of a good quality meal than you would something that's less quality. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Agree a hundred percent. And I'll go, I'll go on a different level. I also uh, feel that food is underrated and maybe not Mm -hmm. for day one of a five, you know, a five day, uh, let's just say backcountry hunt, because I'll tell you what, man, when, when I first started backcountry hunting, I didn't, I felt like, ah, man, I don't, I don't want to cook a big meal at the end of the night because I'll be too tired. I'll just going to eat some I'll eat three, <laughs> three cliff bars or something like that. Right. I'll just eat a whole oh, bunch of cliff bars. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. long story short, uh, it just, from a psychological standpoint, knowing that you're going back to 
cold, like cliff bar is uh-huh. just depressing as shit. And you're it tired. And but you're... think if you're going back to jalapeno, cheddar, exactly. herb, biscuit, and gravy. Exactly. It's, it's exciting after three days of getting hammered on the mountain. Yeah. So, so, so I'll, I even take it a step further now. So we're like, I, I'll throw in one cliff bar per day. Just, just for, mm-hmm. you know, oh shit, I need, I need some calories, time to eat, you know, just knock it out real yep. quick. Um, so lately I've been doing a lot of, um, making my own trail mix. Like I'll go get some peanuts uh-huh. and some almonds and some cashews and all these things and, uh, put them in a, you know, sort them out, mix them up and put them in a, um, oh, uh, portion size things and take them into the timber with me, uh, some jerky. Uh, and then it, it is not efficient when it comes to packing them in, but I will bring or try to bring or save enough space in my pack for one apple a day because fresh fruit, it's almost like boom. When you eat it, it's just, I don't know. It's energizing. It is Oh, you're yeah. looking you're, that sounds really good right yeah, now putting yeah. myself in your scenario i'm like oh man i bet that tastes good yeah we're just like <laughs> oh man okay making a the second or third move on the day to a glassing point uh you know i know that when i'm going to get there i'm going to set up my my spotting scope and i'm going to eat an apple and it's almost like the, mm-hmm. you know you get to a point where it, you're so exhausted by the end of the day that the only thing you are thinking about is eating Right. It's like, yep. oh, man, I'm going to go home and I'm going to crush that Heather's Choice bison chili, which is yep. uh, one of my favorite uh, meals that I've, I've had out there. And then uh, Peak Refuel, uh, Peak Refuel that they do yep. a lot of hunting brand. Uh, I would say that they're like a hunting brand focused type thing. They also do some backpacking and stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. they have uh, Spanish rice that is ridiculously good and i'll eat i'll eat but but like i said going back to that is it's it's because after a while you and i we've both been there it gets difficult and the mental focus needs to be there and when you can go home and your not only your body can enjoy the calories but your mind can say this is delicious that's that is huge for the um i don't know if you want to call it self-awareness or uh, self-esteem or whatever it is, right? I, I think that's mm-hmm. a big, that's a big thing. So I'm going to say good food, and it doesn't have to be expensive, but good food is definitely underrated. Yeah, I'm that way with this. I take a Snickers bar for almost every day, yeah, or a whatchamacallit, or a, just a, some kind of good candy bar, and that's kind of my probably like your Cliff Bar. But it's, I look forward to it. It's almost like, oh, man, it's Snickers time, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, this is going to be great. Yep. And that's one thing. If people think I'm crazy, I love Spam. And I will take a Spam single. You can buy a little single slice of Spam at the grocery store. I take a Spam single for every day that I'm out. And you fry and it I up? I love it. Yeah, so, uh, sometimes I will, especially if I have ramen or something like that. Yeah. I'll mix that spam in with the ramen. Sometimes I just eat that spam cold and raw and just ready to go. Yeah. So and or a bagel if you can get like a thin bagel slice, put it on that. And there's some carbs there with the with the bagel. You know, you get extra little carb boost. And yeah, I take food that I like. I don't take food like my first year. I did that whole thing where I watched these guys on the instagram or youtube and they're packing these bags and 
the whole time I was watching them pack, get their food ready, I kept thinking, that doesn't look like I get why you're taking that, but if I don't, that doesn't look good to me. It's kind of like you with your cliff bars. Yeah. And after about two days of eating what other people ate, I realized really quickly, Absolutely. this doesn't going to work for me. Absolutely. I take, I keep starburst in my pocket and I'll eat a starburst every now and then. I, <laughs> I like I said, I take spam. I take all kinds of stuff and it's stuff that I just, I, if I'm sitting there at nine o'clock and I look in my food bag and I think, ah, that doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound good. And ultimately I'm like, well, I guess I'll have a cup of coffee. That's yeah. the only thing I really want right now. Yeah. But if I look at my food bag and I'm like, oh man, I got a Snickers, I got a spam, I've got a peak refuel and a pinnacle and you're excited about everything in there. That's yeah. what gets me through the day. I want to talk just a second before we uh, shut her down about coffee because, man, I have made, uh, like, when I go on these mule deer hunts, I will take my co- my morning coffee with me, right? So I uh, I will bring some water. I'll bring my jet boil. I will, you know, go to my glassing point, and I'll set up. And as the sun's coming up, you know, it's, it's still too early to look through the spotter. I'll, you know, start making my coffee. And that is another mental thing uh, for me. It mm-hmm. is. It's one of those things where if I don't, if if you can, if it's cool out and you're a little cold and chilly, throw you know throw down a cup of coffee. And uh, man, I'm telling you, it can be, it can be very satisfying and gratifying. It sure can. I I agree with you. Now I'm not a coffee snob. Like I I don't need this fancy no, two or three dollar pack. I go to the grocery store and get the Folgers instant packs that are like a buck for five. Yeah, you know. Um, but I so if I need that coffee for an energy boost, a lot of times I'll I'll just pour some. I'll, I'll drink it cold, right? I'll put it in a water bottle and shake it up, and I'll just drink it cold for what it is. That's tough. <laughs> if I, well, yeah, I, trust me. In the in my army days, I had some coffee that was many days old and cold, and it yeah. was not the best, but it did the trick. It had the caffeine um, you needed. It had the caffeine I needed. But if I'm like I'm sitting there and I'm about to glass and it's nice and cool outside, and I think, man, I tell you what, that's when I'll bring out that jet boil, and which is an underrated product, by the way, and we can talk about it if you want. But um, the I'll get that thing out and I'll heat up that nice warm cup of water. So maybe I got a pack of oatmeal or something there to go with it. And it's just, there's something satisfying about a warm cup of coffee and a little snack. Yeah. Do you have so, the, do you have the jet boil with the uh, push button start on it? I don't know. No. I have mine is, um, it's an older model. I think it's called the zip maybe, um, no push button start. Cause, I think those always break. Everybody, oh, I yeah. know that. Mine's Push broken. Start, it doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. See there, I'll, I'll add you to the list. But mine has like a little loop on the neoprene wrap that goes around the cup. There's a little loop there, and it's perfect to stick a lighter down in it. So I keep a little lighter that's always right there with the jet boil. And I that I don't care where I'm going my jet boil or, or MSR or whatever stove you have, I think you know, just a little cooking stove with a cup, um, is it's in my pack no matter where I go or what I do. Yeah. I always have that thing. And I, so I, I have the jet boil and then I also do, I have a little tiny one that's called an MSR pocket rocket or something. I got, I got the exact same one. 
Yeah, and that one's really nice too, and it packs down a little bit smaller and it's a little lighter. Um, I think the jet boil works faster a little bit, but either way, I have a stove of some sort with me all the time, no yep. matter where I go. Yep, absolutely. Well, I'll tell yeah. you what, man, uh, appreciate your time today. I think this was a great yep. BS session, and uh, we'll have to get on again. Uh, anything else that we need to cover before we hang her up today? I think, well, trekking poles, underrated, and I'll leave it at that. I think yeah. everybody should have at least one trekking pole in their pack. Yeah. At least one. At I least keep one. one all the yeah. time. Yeah. Except and for that, me. It, it helps a, a lot. Yeah. Except for me. I, uh, so when I was packing out that mule deer, shit ton of weight on the back, necessary, definitely underrated, but mm-hmm. just like, I don't know. I think they're accurately rated because I come on my second trip out there in December mm-hmm. and I, I was doing more hunting from the truck, but I forgot them. And, uh, so I was hiking around doing the same stuff that I was without this, you know, without my poles. And, mm-hmm. I just, I guess I just had to focus a little bit more on where I was stepping and how I was stepping. Like if I have trekking poles, I'm a little bit more aggressive with my foot placement and, you know, yeah, going yeah, up or definitely. down a hill, but, uh, I don't know. I didn't miss them too terribly much. Now, if I shot a deer, I probably wish I would have had them, but I, <laughs> yeah. I suck at hunting. Or cre- river crossings, <laughs> yeah. creek, creek crossings, things like that. When you're, they're just nice to have those extra points of contact and, um, my wife and I do a lot of hiking out here in New Mexico and, um, I gave her a set and she started using them and now she won't go anywhere in the mountains without them. She just, yeah. she just loves having them and, and cruising with them. So, yeah. um, I always have mine with me. I don't use them all the time unless it's really nasty. If I'm going up a real steep hill or going down a really steep hill, usually it's just hiking for me at that point, but, um, I'll get them out every now and then. And I'm pretty glad that I have one when yeah. I, when I do get them out. Yeah, when I yeah, but, if I have them with me, I use them all the time, all day. That's they're they're with me every. I got bad knees, dude. I got no. bad hips. I got bad back. I just I'm like I said, I'm broken. So anything to help yeah. me help me out is great. I love, you know, I love having trekking poles. Yeah. So, um, let me throw a couple just real quick. I'm you're probably trying to shut it down, but I think a Garmin InReach is a good device, good thing to have. Um, or some, it doesn't have to be a Garmin, some sort of communication device. Um, I have an inReach and I have the, when it's hunting season time, I put the unlimited message package on there. It's like 60 bucks or whatever, Yeah. but it's just really nice to be able to text wife and friends and just, you know, if you're, if you're all alone somewhere, you don't have cell phone signal, you can still have company, right? You can yeah. still have people there that you're willing to talk to. So. Yeah. Um, I like having that. And I, thought, I was thinking there was, oh, backup batteries, like a charged pack, little back or a battery pack. Is, yeah. I don't know what you're, you know, if you're just going out for an afternoon or a day, you don't really need them. But if it's three or four days, your phone's going to go dead. Yeah. Your Garmin's going to go dead. All of that stuff is going dead. Cameras, if you got it. So, yeah. Kind of nice to have, but yeah. not essential. Just nice to have. Absolutely. Uh, what, uh, what was the first one that you said? The garment? Oh, the, yeah. Oh, the inReach. Yeah, yeah. So, um, there are places where I d- 
don't have any cell phone service on definitely in in, uh, Colorado and uh, in certain parts of South Dakota where I was at. But uh, obviously, I don't even know how to say this, like the, 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 the digital maps like a hunt stand or any other digital mapping, it's almost like a, it's almost so easy to find it. You can use it on airplane, those things on airplane mode and mm-hmm. you don't, it doesn't really drain a ton of your battery. So it's almost a no brainer to have that. I mean, I guess it's un- underrated from that aspect, but uh, I just, it's almost like not even a, it's not even a conversation anymore. Everybody has it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Of, of some sort, some sort yeah. of mapping software. Yeah, some sort of mapping um, software. Yeah, definitely. I've had them for for the last. So coming up in the army, I used paper maps. That was in my early years. I was a combat guy who ran around the woods in Europe, and that's what we used was paper maps. And I wouldn't even look at a paper map anymore. I used to sit my first few years, my or my first couple of years, I guess, I, I had paper maps in my bag and I never took them out. Now I won't even mess with them. I just use map software on my phone. Right, right. So and that's it, all I do, yeah. yeah. And that ties in with the battery pack. Like I bring a, I bring a battery pack with me uh, that has some other additional functionality. It's great to have, but like, I don't know, there's a part of me that says they're overrated for from the standpoint of like, the reason I'm going out and doing a backcountry hunt is because I want to get away from a lot of this stuff. So what I've found myself doing at night is, you know, I'm laying down in my tent and I'm playing some dumb block game instead of, you know, maybe just <laughs> trying to Angry sleep. Birds. Yeah, Angry Birds or something, you know, something like that instead of, you know, maybe trying to sleep or just relax and doing all that other stuff. Uh, uh, so I don't know. Uh, accurately rated, I guess, for the battery packs and and uh, yeah, but I, I I think so, yeah. So, and there you go. That's it. That's all the time we have today, Chad. Again, thank you very much for your time, and uh, we'll talk to all you guys later. Yeah.